0: Well, I mean, anybody who's that competitive and has had that effect on a team, especially early on and year one, you're putting together, and he has that impact to go to be in a situation where your return to place question questioned, um, is hard. I mean, it's it's, it's a really tough deal. It's one of those deals you're like, man, that's just it's one of those gut punches, and uh, you got to find the next man up. You got to be able to rally, and I'm sure uh, Brendan knows how much we need him morally, and, and he's getting to pick up everything in our group, and he's going to do that.
1: He'll be great for that. He has been so far. So, but we got to move on. We got to find this guy. Hurray!
0: Let's go.
2: The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company.
0: That was Mark Zorrello, UNLV coach today on one of their real emerging players from a year ago, Brennan Scott. Brennan Scott out of Dallas, outside linebacker. I think he's a long shot to play this year. They don't want to announce that he's out, but he's got a knee issue. He was dinged up in the spring. He's not out there practicing right now. So we'll get to that in five minutes. Get you an update on the outside linebacker situation for the Rebels who open up this month. Now we can actually say this month on the 27th against Idaho State at Allegiant. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. Brett McMurphy's pretty good on college football. He's working for, uh, what is it, Action Network now. I think he's dialed in on the Pac-12, although I was worried about you know, South Midwest and East Coast guys being really dialed in. Huh. He went on Big Twelve Radio. So our good buddy Ari Temkin, who hosts over there. He said of the Pac 12, check that. Of Oregon and Washington. National College football expert said 80 to 85% chance Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten. Fifteen percent chance they join the Big Twelve. Okay? Do you want to calculate the chances that they're still again, eighty-eight, eighty-five 85% chance Oregon Washington are in the Big 10, 15% chance they join the Big 12, so 5%. percent 0 to 5%. 0 to 5% chance. Yeah. I mean the, that the Pac-12 this, retains Oregon and Washington, this is on the heels of George Kliakoff going in front of people, media, and the whole conference saying Hey, we're working on a deal that's gonna be five or six years long from TV, and I know everyone's
3: gonna sign it once the deal is done. Are you sure? I mean, this, first of all, I, I don't wanna just keep going back. This is what I've been saying for how long? And we said the other day, mm-hmm. don't, what are you waiting for? And you said it's not gonna to happen today or tomorrow. Yeah, it is. Well, but here's the thing
0: it might not matter. What the Big Ten wants, the Big Ten gets. No matter what the Pac-12 does in terms of adding other programs, it's not going to really add anything to the bottom line. They're going they're going to lose money from their current deal because they lost Los Angeles. So bringing in San Diego State or UNLV or Gonzaga for basketball or Boise, right? But they can't put the best deal on the table now. Fifteen percent chance they join the Big Twelve. That one is intriguing. That one's real intriguing because Kleikoff is the one who came out on Friday and he's like, the Big 12 is afraid of us.
3: Well, not according to this. Yeah. Well, I, I think this, this is I also, where the hell he is. Southern based also I think he's also sourcing from the Big 12 and then he's, right. it's probably the Big 10. Like, I, I have no doubt those schools are going to try to go to the Big 10. The problem is because you haven't acted and because you haven't moved somebody in. Right. When those two schools leave, now there's nothing for everybody else to stay for. hmm that's thought, why you needed to move. I was,
0: I was asking. I saw some. I can I, You know. I, I keep bringing it up on the air. I've, you know. I'm following all this stuff, and I'm not like I'm doing anything unique. But so I, I see Boise fans and San Diego State fans who are like, oh, we're you know we're good to go. Like good to go where? Because there might not be a Pac-12. I mean, I had, there was a San Diego State fan on Friday who was like, well, we're set. Invite to the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And I, I asked the person, I was like, well, are you going to accept an invite? Would do you want your school to accept an invite to the Pac-12? And then. Like, it's, it's almost like the situation they got involved in with the Big East, where if you remember, it was what, Boise and CSU and San Diego State were now going to be in the Big East, and then, like, within months, the Big East dissolved, and it's like, oh, pump fake, we're not going. Well, you yes. want to make decisions when everyone is waiting on two things, Notre Dame and eh, sort of Big Ten, SEC, what they're going to do beyond Notre Dame. Like, they both want Notre Dame. They would love to have Notre Dame. And then... Once Notre Dame decides, then both conferences are going to launch into action, and all of a sudden it's you know Miami, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, you know uh, Virginia, you know then you go out west, Oregon, Washington's, you know Stanford, Cal, Utah, Colorado, you know the the Phoenix, Tucson market, like it, it could all blow up, and we could have, as we've said a million times now, two super conferences like forty eight teams total, twenty four each. We could have four conferences with like two of them being twenty teams, but it's not going to really settle it. Like how does anyone make a decision until Notre Dame says, "Yeah, you know what?
3: We're going somewhere." That that's all that's all true, but my thought all along, I think the Pac-12 lost US, USC and UCLA because they didn't act before. Mm-hmm. They still could have. But if they would have formed, everybody sees where this is going as you just said. It's either two or four conferences. That's what it's going to be, and they're going to break off from Division 1. That's going to happen. It is going to happen. Yeah, the most the most viable
0: thing for the Pac-12 now is don't add you know what if you want to add some other mountain west schools you do it after you go after the big prize their big prize now is is finding a merger with the ACC and the ACC is going to lose some teams and then the two of them combined will still you know at the end we'll have 18 to you know 20 teams you know if north carolina and clemson and miami and florida state go bye-bye then you have you know this east west thing and maybe you can hold on to oregon and washington you know utah colorado the phoenix tucson market uh, because that that could be ESPN driven, that's the thing. That's the that's the lone positive that's going on there is they've got partnerships and a lot. You know the, you know the ACC is like crap. We signed a deal through twenty thirty six. We're kind of effed, and then we're gonna lose North Carolina, Virginia, Miami, Clemson, Florida State. Like we got to do something, because otherwise, then because then then the doomsday scenario, for Power Five schools is here. Then VTech, Oregon State. Wazoo! Like some of these markets where, like, sorry, man, no, those those schools
3: are—they're going to be Division Two.
0: Okay, the Division One Two thing—you keep going on. No,
3: but because that's that—that that is the driving factor in this. I don't know why we're like—that's way down the road. No, that is going to happen within five to ten years, absolutely. And the problem with what you're saying is that those schools, when they are left behind, they are going to be in a different in a different conference. They're going to be not playing against those schools anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are. Processing this will hmm, be. They'll for essentially it. be a group of five, whatever it is. the The two or four conferences will have that'll be
0: you know real like good automatic bid chances to get into a college football tournament, and then the group of five will be like it is now, and you'll have all these schools that drop down and are like, "Crap, man! Now, you know, now we feel like Boise. This is almost impossible to make the 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 tournament."
3: But you're, I, I, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're Adam, saying okay. that. This but I'm saying, saying, so deep in the weeds. But who, it's not who, who, deep in the weeds. This is what the driving force is in all of this. I, I don't. I don't understand why that's not part of all these conversations. That people aren't prepared for it. They're not getting ready for it. That and when you say group of five, those schools still play against the big schools. Like you're not anymore. And I, I think it is important to lay this out because that is where this is going to.
2: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for
0: Cofield and Company's Las Vegas Raiders opponent preview. Let's break down the Raiders versus the Patriots.
2: Yo, they hate us because they ain't us, and that's the truth. False accusations they make if they don't have the proof. But it's all good, it's more fuel for the fire. Remember, you said our quarterback was... Nothing
0: like the 5,000 Patriots band songs. I mean, our favorite is Brady. In the style of lady. That one's pretty good, though. A lot, of, a lot of rappers. A lot of aspiring Marky Marks in the Beantown area. We're going to do
3: our Patriots preview. you Las Vegas resident, Marky Mark?
0: I saw that. I right. paid a lot of money. Did yeah. $15 million for a piece of property in the Summit? Yeah. I think it was My boring, lord. Man. You know, I'm going to take a drive up there. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed in. Only, I was going to make a joke, but whatever. Um, real quick, because we, uh, we were talking about college football realignment. We got the Raiders. Opponent preview coming up on twelve eighteen. Patriots are here. Uh, we started mentioning UNLV based on what Marcus Roy was saying this morning about Brennan Scott, one of their outside linebackers. So if you noticed, um, and this was kind of hard to follow because the Rebels had a third recruiting period and they scooped up a lot of transfers, and we're talking from you know schools like Utah, uh, Louisville for a running back, but they 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 especially beefed up in that third period outside linebackers. And defensive backs. And the outside linebacker thing, I think, was because Brennan Scott is probably down for the year. So now they've got a a bunch of guys who were with the program, young guys, and some transfers all competing to get that spot opposite Adam Plant. So we'll see how this turns out. Isaiah Sales is a transfer in. He's probably 6'3", 235. Uh, Osi Agbase is a Southern California kid. He's with the program now for, I think, three years. He's 6'4", 240, up from like 213. When he came in, LaShawn Bell, Calabasas, I think, uh, he's back. He's wearing number 99 now, so he's in the mix. And then I mentioned Elijah Shelton, who was a Utah State player, outside linebacker, probably 6'2", 240, uh, had transferred to Utah from Utah State and then decided to come to UNLV. So they got a mix there. Like They got some depth there, but already it looks like Scott is down. And then we'll have to get an update on Ricky Johnson, one of their top like six cornerbacks. They're going to have to play a lot of cornerbacks with all the throwing teams. In the Mountain West, so he uh, he hurt his arm. I think it was on the second play of practice. On the first practice, that sucks. Like
3: very innocent contact. So excited for the summer, the you whole summer. What? It
0: was just it was a, a high ball that uh, Kyle Williams caught, and they collided, and you know he gets up and he's holding his arm. It's like come on. But you got to practice. You got to practice at some level,
3: right? You got yeah. you can't go like zero percent. Even when sometimes when you go seventy percent. Yeah, that's why I mean the Raiders aren't hitting at all. Uh, There's very little contact out there at practice for the most part, and uh, just trying to prioritize health over everything else.
0: It is a fascinating deal now in football. You know, we were just talking about college football, and Adam just mentioned the NFL and Raiders practice. Uh, Let's talk about the Patriots, and Mike Reese from ESPN is nice enough to give us some time. Mike, how are you?
1: I'm doing well guys. Uh looking for hey, looking forward to what, December eighteenth? Is that what we're yeah, looking at? Yeah.
0: And then what we got some joint practices coming up as well, right? I think between yeah. with the Patriots and the Raiders.
1: I guess I just call myself for a false start, right? Gotta get <laughs> gotta get through those first before we can right. get to the regular season, but definitely looking
0: forward to it. We were just talking about how football practices are run now and Like, you got to have some contact to replicate what real football is like. But what do the Patriots do? Because so many teams now have kind of backed off to almost no contact.
1: We had one play today at practice, uh, first day in full pads, where one of their linebackers, Juwan Bentley, was coming downhill, sort of popped the running back, Ramondre Stevenson, with his shoulder, and, and Stevenson's helmet came off. And it stood out to a lot of people because you don't see it that much. Right, Bill Belichick's a little bit old school in my view, in the sense of he feels like the only way to prepare to play football is to practice real football. So you get hitting, uh, not not really live tackling at this point, um, but they're just sort of going through the same rules the Raiders had to. Guys like you know, first four practices are like the off-season program, and now we finally today I would say got to full pads, you know, physical contact and trying to ease the players into it that way.
3: Well, you mentioned a name that a lot of people here are very interested in, in and Ramadri Stevenson, a Las Vegas kid. Uh, The most surprising thing that I heard from you is that somebody actually hit him. From what I've heard, he's been untouchable in training camp. The guy's going to be the MVP.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. He looks good. He he told me he reported to camp this year at 225 pounds, which was down 7 pounds from when he reported last year and he admittedly said he wasn't in great shape said he's much leaner now one of his off-season goals is to be a factor on third down in the passing game because usually he would come off the field for the Patriots designated passing back and I'm not a scout I always say that but I would just say based on what I've seen through five full practices at training camp I mean he looks Really smooth catching the ball. Looks like he's moving really well and at the least will give himself a chance um, to, to sort of maybe even add to his role.
3: I mean, we never see the Patriots actually have one designated guy as a running back, though, right? I mean, that's never going to happen.
1: I would not say it would never happen. Go back to 2004 when our guy, Josh McDaniels, was a young coach working under Charlie Weiss, and they had Corey Dillon. And they just said, we're just going to ride it out with Corey Dillon. First down, second down, third down. And Dillon ended up that season, I'm looking at it right now, with 345 carries for 1,635 yards, 12 touchdowns. The next running back had 54 carries. So, now, that's the outlier in Belichick's 23 years as coach. That's the one season I picked out, right? Um, and it's unlikely to happen this year because uh, they also have Damian Harris, the former Alabama runner, Mac, running back that they really like, um, and you know a few other guys that they can sprinkle in there as well.
3: So I was I was joking about Ramondre Stevenson all the glowing reports that have come out, but obviously it uh, looks good here early on. We've heard the same thing about Mac Jones this big year two leap. Is that what you've seen?
1: Uh, well, so three days and an interception each day over the last three days. So now I'm not saying that to read anything into that, but I, I would just maybe balance off the hype, you know, that you might have heard. I mean, I think Mac definitely looks good, and everyone sees that he's made progress, and Bill Belichick was talking him up for all the work that he's done. It's a work in progress, guys. I mean, Josh McDaniels, as as you've probably seen already out at Raiders practice, this is like a master play caller, a, a real wizard of offensive football. You don't just lose a coach like that and not see a little bit of um, a transition period. And so they're working through some things with three coaches basically leading the way. Matt Patricia, the former Lions head coach. Joe Judge, the former Giants head coach. Both those guys had been here before, defense and special teams primarily, respectively, and Bill Belichick as the third coach who's really heavily involved with the offense as well. So I think Mac is, you know, he's, he's fine. He looks good. He's definitely, I think, you can win with him. Um, but I think as they work through that transition, we're also seeing some growing pains as well.
3: Uh, Matt Patricia noted offensive genius as well as the play caller. He's calling plays this year?
1: Oh, boy. I see the sarcasm. I, I, and I usually always <laughs> goes over my head. That one did not, right? <laughs> um, so he might call the plays. One of the things that he said today was that that hasn't been decided that's going to be a bill belichick call i will tell you when i watch practice he looks like the guy like he's got a walkie-talkie in his hands and he's the one reading off the sheet when it's 11 on 11 drill which tells me that if it was a game it would probably be him but i suppose until they publicly declare that or they make it known that it's Possible Bill Belichick could be involved in that process in some form. Maybe Joe Judge, the quarterback coach, could be part of that in some form. But it looks to me like Patricias the uh, will be the guy.
3: So our Raiders opponent preview. Mike Reese, ESPN.com covers the Patriots. Uh, is I mean the conspiracy theories are out there. Obviously they haven't named him because of contractual situations and payments that sort of thing with Detroit. I mean is that is oh, that wow. a legitimate thing?
1: Well, I, I think. Probably got to be part of the discussion, right? I mean, the idea that he's still getting paid by the Lions, similar to Joe Judge, you know, still getting paid by the Giants. So if you were to say this is our coordinator, you know, then that job title probably carries a higher salary than, um, you know, that would offset, I believe, if this is a, if I have it all correct, or, you know, what the other team would have to pay. But I think it's not – I don't think that's the only reason. I think part of this is – Bill Belichick loves to uh, be unconventional and loves to be a nonconformist. You know, you tell me I have to name a coordinator, why? <laughs> right? Like, why? Why? Because we've always done that, you know? like And I, so I think that might be part of the thought process as well. And and maybe also, too, and, and I don't dismiss this, and again, it's all theory work here, I mean, maybe Bill isn't 100% sure where this is going to oh, head boy. at the end of the day, and he wants to leave himself some wiggle room.
3: Well, and, and Mike, how about for us and our jobs, uh, coordinators have to speak to the media every week.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, so the idea that he didn't name him for that, I will say this, I mean, they, <laughs> all, the coaches, all the coaches talked to us today, okay. and Matt Patricia talked to us, so I, I do, I know what you're saying, so it wouldn't have to be every week to do that. Maybe you deflect them, you know, you shield them from possible criticism, funnel it all to Belichick. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the reason, but I would be surprised, actually, guys, if that was, like, a primary driver in the thought process there.
0: Mike Race up on Cofield and Company Covers the Patriots. We're getting ready for a December 18th game when the Patriots are in Vegas to take on the Raiders. Let's go back a few months because we didn't get to talk to you when McDaniels was hired. What did you think of the hire? Did the Raiders pick the right guy?
1: Well, so I'm going to give you – I have no question in my mind. They picked the right guy. Now, in fairness, when when the Broncos hired him back in – 2009 I I said the same thing because that's how much I believe in him as a coach I think he's outstanding and obviously the thing in Denver didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go I didn't think it went the way obviously Josh thought it was gonna go he's learned so much right since that time it's been a decade plus um just watch watch what he's done. I I thought what Mark Davis said I was I was really impressed with this guy when they introduced him and Mark Davis was talking about like how when they had to go you know, from Brady to Castle, you know, Matt Castle in 2008 when Brady got hurt, and even in 2016 when Tom Brady was serving as a four-game suspension to open the season, what they did with Garoppolo and then Brissett. Like, I was impressed. I'm like, wow, Mark Davis, man, he did the study. He knows what he's <laughs> talking about football-wise. You know? And it felt like he really, it wasn't like talking points when he said it. It was like he really knew it. He was talking football, which I loved, and it's literally exactly what I would say. You know, I just think, think he gets the best out of the players. I wrote a story last year that you couldn't say Mac without Mac Daniels. You know, because every time you looked on the sideline, when Mac Jones had come to the sideline, he was shoulder-to-shoulder with Josh. You know, I thought he did a great job bringing Mac along. So all that, all those things, I think, are incredibly positive. And then just sort of, you know, being that CEO, the the head coach overseeing it all, I think he's just so much more plugged into what it's all about now.
0: Long term, what could be more debilitating to the Patriots, the loss of McDaniels or the loss of Dave Ziegler? Um,
1: so I think Dave's excellent at what he does as well. I would say more McDaniels only from the standpoint of – you know, I think he is so unique in terms of what he does coaching-wise, whereas Dave had just been in that role for one year, mm. right? Like Josh Josh had been here two different stints, but in that particular role for more than a decade. And I think coach, quarterback, to me, like if you were to say, hey, what, what, what do you need to win in the league? I think I would start with coach and quarterback. And so that's why I would lean toward
0: Josh. If Belichick walks in three years, does Kraft just make a run at McDaniel's?
1: No, I I don't I don't know. Okay. No, I don't know about that. I yeah. think a lot will depend on how the what those three years look like, and so I, I would not say that like if I'm a Raider fan wor- worried about that scenario, um, no, I, I wouldn't say that's sort of um, inevitable.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I don't know that Belichick, if he's having some success, is going to walk. I don't know when the hell he's going to walk. I mean, you're around him, <laughs> and this is what he this is what he is. This is what he does.
1: That's right. That's right. He's got 321 uh, career wins, including postseason. I think he needs 324 to move into second place, a tie with George Hallis for the all-time wins list, and then it's Don Shula at 347. So just do the math: 321 to 347. However long it's going to take him to get those, right? Like you figure, he's definitely locked in for that. And then, like you said, I'm like, who knows how long after that?
3: Go. Okay. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back to the coach quarterback relationship you just talked about. Let's say it doesn't work out for the Raiders this year. The division's very tough. They could finish fourth, and still be okay. But let's say they're fourth place. Derek Carr is basically on a one year deal right now, and they move on. What do you think the chances that they would try to reunite with Jimmy Garoppolo down the road?
1: Uh, that's Ooh. tough hypothetical, right? So, what does the fourth place finish look like? Like, how did Carr play, right? Like, so I think all those things. Like, how do you answer that without? knowing what that looked like, right? I would say more unlikely than likely just based on, you know, shaking the Magic 8 ball or whatever you want to say or looking into the crystal ball. I think, I think Jimmy was – I think Josh liked Jimmy and I think was, was, felt like he could win with him. But I think a lot has happened since they were together, right? And the injury history in and of itself yeah. probably has to give you some pause there, right?
0: No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Mike, let's finish up by looking at the Patriots by the numbers, the Vegas numbers, and soon to be, I guess, mass numbers. Is, uh, gambling's going to be uh, legal there in just a little bit. Patriots over-under wins, 8.5. What do you think, over-under?
1: Well, so I went over. I'm an optimistic type. Um, <laughs> you know, they're in the tough division with the Bills, is the way it used to be when the Patriots were there and everyone would say, oh, you know, got to get through the Patriots in the division. So, you know, table's been turned a little bit on them. But I still, the reason I said over was what we talked about before, coach quarterback. Like, when the chips are down, if I've got to make an investment, like, I still believe in the coach, and I do believe that the quarterback has a chance to be special as long as this coaching situation around him um, doesn't, you know, turn him in the wrong direction.
0: So an over means they could make the playoffs. The odds for the Patriots to make the playoffs, you can get the yes at plus 145.
1: So, you're going to laugh at me. I honestly don't really know what that means. Yeah, yeah. But I would say I'm good with that.
0: Okay. All <laughs> right. Yeah. So, basically, you bet 100, you get $145 win. If you want to bet the no, you got to bet 165 against them. So, I don't know. What, what's the percentage on that, Adam? Is that like 57.43, something it's, like that? 56.44? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 50, uh, 56% I mean, no.
1: What do you guys think? I mean, the AFC is loaded. I mean, I, I don't, just, don't know if nine wins gets you in, I don't know if 10 wins will get you in like it's same thing you guys have with the Raiders in that division in and of itself loaded AFC.
0: I think nine will get you in but I find this fascinating that for the AFC championship, I mean this is this is unheard of. The Patriots are the 12th ranked team to win the AFC. Yeah. 12th. That's, I mean that's that's a solid team. They're 12th in the pecking order.
1: That that is really something else. And I will say my, one one of my theories on this year's Patriots team is that they might that probably the reason they're 12th is they don't have the star players that make you sort of say, wow, Devontae Adams as an example, but they have a lot of good players. And so I think attrition, like they're, they're set up to best manage attrition, not best, but to manage attrition in a good way, right? And you, we know there's going to be attrition over the course of an NFL season, so I think I want to see how the pieces fall around them, such as does Josh Allen stay healthy up in Buffalo, the way he plays, right? And so to me, that's their best-case scenario, the attrition around them, um, and their depth pulls them through.
3: And the last one, do the Patriots finish second or third with the Dolphins there?
1: So I say I say second, but it's a popular question that I've been been asked over the last couple months, and I think one of the nice storylines on this is we'll get an early preview, because their opening game is at Miami nice. week one, right? So um, tough team to defend, but that's a, that's a first-year coach in Miami who's never done it before. So to me, that's a wild card, guys, right? Like that makes me say I could invest in them, but maybe cautiously.
0: Mike, great spot. We're big fans. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Mike Reese, CSPN.com. Very calm and collected guy. I think you got to be that way around Belichick. You know, Can't get all worked up because he mumbles. True. like
3: like I get all fired up. And I like that Josh McDaniels is Belichick, but kind of opposite. Like he he when you transcribe what he says, he says absolutely nothing, but he'll talk for like 45 seconds.
2: Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. It's the fat pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about Oh,
0: perfect conversation for the highest-weighted show on sports radio. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. So Friday, we had a real situation to deal with over the weekend. We were going to a Cofield & Company wedding. One of our former company members, Taylor Byrne, was getting married, and Adam was freaking out because the invitation was like a little bit ambiguous, and it said
3: jackets weren't required. To me, that is tell- that is saying don't wear a suit. And, and I think you have to show respect for other people because they're telling you not to. So if you do, you're kind of a jerk because now you're the one that's wearing one and they, and they aren't. If you wear a suit, you're a jerk. Hold on. No, my plan is to wear a suit. D- but these are not things people just obsess over 24 hours a day? No. No. And how did it turn out? You wore,
0: I don't think that was a suit, which what? I couldn't, t- was it? Yes. Okay, I'm colorblind, so I was like, maybe okay. the top was a little bit different than the bottom. You okay? So you wore a suit, and what happened? Did the venue fall off a cliff? No. Did everyone get swallowed up by the devil? Well, you don't.
3: So I didn't. I didn't tell you the oh, first stop. The Did someone first, make a comment? The first oh, thing no. that was said to me. Yeah. Was like, what? Ha- like, I thought we were supposed to wear suits. Who said that? He's like, now I feel like a jerk because I didn't. Who said that? I'm not going to tell you. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out. Somebody that wasn't very far from us was absolutely not wearing a suit. Well, that, I mean, he, that, who are you talking about, Sage? The first thing he said. He, he came super casual. He's wearing like a Hawaiian That's, shirt. And he said, I've read that on the invitation, it oh, said, yeah. no. and I said, okay, yeah. You misread it. No, he didn't. He read it correctly. He was wrong. He Everyone at the table had a jacket on. Yes. He probably has the best wardrobe of anyone there. I agree. We're all slops. He was the smart one, but it was the first thing that was said to me. And so, how does that make you feel, Adam? I was I felt horrible.
0: <laughs> how could you not feel like a jerk in that situation? I didn't, didn't register. I didn't care. He looked great. His wife was fun. His wife, yeah. yes, yeah, that was a great wedding. I, I didn't think about. What I, you know the, the only time Literally I thought about all
3: I said about no, the whole time we were sitting at the, the table. only
0: the only time I thought about what I was wearing is when hypercritical no matter what you do or say at some moment he's gonna come over the top of you hypercritical Ray Brewer from the Las Vegas Sun is like oh what's going on with the the Jersey shirt you don't have it buttoned up all the way like I had I had one button less than I guess was proper and I'm like I okay I guess I'll button it I felt completely comfortable. I I, just Boy, don't, I, I, don't, I had a jacket on, some pants, black jacket, gray pants. I don't understand little patterned what it's, <laughs> shirt. I, I feel
3: wonderful. I'm not taking a shot at you. I just—I'm—I'm I'm jealous of people that can just exist. Yes. And not constantly worry if everybody else is okay. Okay. That's well. all. That's in my entire existence. If I'm around people, is like, are they okay? Well, John von Tobel showed up very confidently.
0: He's coming up with us in less than five minutes. He had a shirt. It might have been untucked. I don't know what was with the sleeves. He had sneakers on. I thought he, you talk about a guy who doesn't care about what others think. That man is secure about his wardrobe. Giveaway time. Four tickets in the ESPN fan zone. Adam is really looking at me like very upset. He's really still worked up about Suitgate. we got to continue on this. Aces Chicago at the MUA, the Mick Ultra Arena. August 11th, a 7 o'clock start. Fan Zone is presented by West Star Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. Four tickets, ESPN Fan Zone. Grab your own tickets for the game. On August 11th, a 7-P start with the Aces at AXS.com. Caller 7364-1100.
2: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Company's eye on sports
0: betting Betting. with John Von Tobel. I mean, let's be honest. This is probably going to be a continuation for ten minutes on the fat pack.
2: Von Tobel's with us. John, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I do have, if you want, a fat pack related social question for you that I ran into a social situation.
0: Just hold on, because we we just went down the path about Adam and his suit
2: and feeling like he
0: violated other people's trust and like he's. He's genuinely mad that
3: he showed up in a suit because others Why? didn't I have did a too. suit. I, I, because I... we weren't supposed to. And then the but I did too. But literally, the first thing that was said to me was, "I thought that we weren't supposed to." Why did you do that? Now I feel underdressed. That was the first thing said to me when I walked in.
2: <laughs> I think, but if I if I remember correctly, like three of the people that the, the males that sat at our table, or uh, uh, four, right? I think you no, know, five. Of the five that sat at our table, three were in match like in full suits. Right?
3: You weren't the only one. It was me. Oh no, no, but Rad, the, you sure? But then other uh, there's other people at the wedding too, and they, like not everybody was. And the invitation said not to. So now you're you're putting the people that didn't in a bad situation.
2: A bad situation. Well, you know what? <laughs> I wanted to look good. What can I say? A
3: bad situation. But that's that's you, and I get that, and like I, it's it's that's all fine. But as we were talking about. My entire existence is basically just making, like, I need to make sure everybody else is okay. And if not, if everybody's not happy, that's, not, like, on you. So
2: because one person out of the, what would we say, is there 60, 70 people? Because one person felt underdressed. And I don't even terrible think,
3: now. listen, I don't think he even cared. I don't think he was, like, upset. And he had a great time, and it was, like, whatever. It was, just but the first thing that was said, and was like, oh, man. This is exactly what I didn't want. We talked about this on Friday. I said, that's the one thing I don't want. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and wear a suit, but I don't want to make anyone feel like they should have because it's, the invitation said not to. And so the the first person says that, and I think he's just kind of joking around, but it just, it just kind of ruined that vibe for a while.
0: It yeah, ruined no, you're, you're the ready. vibe for what are you talking I, about? It was a wonderful wedding. Uh, the, guy, yeah, the guy who served
3: as the official was... Awesome. No, oh, yeah. Uh, and he's also, he's like a he's very pretty, you know kind of known around town. Really good guy. It has his hands on a lot of things. Their like, vows cool. were
0: great. It turns out that Taylor Byrne, former company member, is a maniacal love man. Yeah. What was yeah. It like? What was all the collectibles along the <laughs> wow. way? were relay. I'm like, well, I haven't picked up anything in ten years for the S.O. This guy's pulling out the first fortune cookie he's, they had together. I'm like, I'm
3: screwed. He saved. Not only did he save the first fortune he got from the first time they ate Chinese food fortune, together, not the cookie. Yeah. Uh, but he also like tied his vows around the fortune. Yes. Like, yeah. and that's what happened. By the way, that's what happens well, that's when sad. two writers get married. Yeah. Dude, the vows are going to be good.
2: That was that was my thing was as I was listening to Taylor, I was like, "Wow, well, yeah, this guy's a writer." Like this, is, <laughs> this is so yeah. ridiculous how well put together these vows were. Um, for me, like, and, and it shamed my wedding uh, because I made up my vow on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> now I spoke from the heart, and it was very heartfelt, uh, yeah, and it meant every word of it. But it was not as eloquent as with Taylor. Oh Wasn't
3: it just like you two and an Elvis impersonator there at your wedding?
0: <laughs> There's so much to break down from this wedding. I, I actually scared Mike Germano from the Las Vegas on this morning over at UNLV, and I was like, I think Adam's got a lot of material on you, Mike. And he was like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. I'm like,
3: hold I, on. I, I, point, I, I pointed I know, it out I, to
0: No, I know. I know. I know you did. <laughs> so we'll continue this. We had a co and company wedding. Not really. Uh, one of our buddies, Taylor Byrne, former company member who's now living in Prague, Got married over the weekend. All right, what was your uh, what was your restaurant decorum? What was the question? Something so, along those lines. So it's lines? not a
2: restaurant decorum. It, yeah. What it has to do with food? It's a grocery store decorum. Oh boy. Um, so I went to the grocery store earlier today when I got off work at Vison. So I check out. You know, I'm getting my stuff rung up, and I'm paying. Lady gets in line behind me, puts her basket down, and then runs off to go get something. She takes so long that three people get in line. And are looking at the conveyor belt like, and the guy asks, is this somebody's? And the cashier's like, "Uh, yeah, I mean, she said she'd be right back. Which, by the way, she didn't. She didn't say a word, which is very nice <laughs> of the cashier to kind of stick up for her, I guess. So as I was leaving, I see this lady finally running back. My question to you is, if you're in line, because there was three people by the time she got back, are you letting her back
3: in? What I mean, would she was she having her stuff rung up or she was just in line?
2: No, so I was having my stuff rung up when she put her stuff down and ran off. I was done, checked out, and walking out by the time she was making her way back. As right? She long wasn't as, even back yet.
3: As long as the cashier is not waiting, doing nothing, I think it's okay.
2: No, I'm talking about you as a person in line, though. Like I said, three yeah. people got in line no. in the time that she was taken to come
3: back. Yeah, but I'm saying, well, I mean, the cashier saw that she left her stuff there. I'm saying there's no way if if the lady is still not there... And it's time for somebody else to go. Obviously, they need to go. They don't wait for her to come back to start. But right. I think it's I think it's okay as long as it's not like an egregious. I got one thing. I put it up there, and now I'm going to go shopping for 15 <laughs> minutes and get my stuff. Like if it actually is something that they have to just go get, I think that's okay.
2: Okay. Good answer. She took over three minutes to go get her thing. So I don't know. I think she was grabbing multiple things. Successive. Successive. Yes.
0: John, John von Tobel Viesen is with us. All right. What do we see on the betting markets today with Deshaun Watson getting six games? Quarterback of the Browns will be back sooner than most people thought.
2: Well, yeah, but here's the thing that I like a lot. So, as and I'm sure you guys have talked about today, uh, it was a recommendation for the suspension, and that's what it's going to start out with. The NFL has three days to appeal. Uh, so, it's not like this thing is really over with, as many in the sports betting community uh, pretty much exuded. They were like, all right, cool, it's over. Let's. Let's look at the Browns now. And it's like, well, we don't know what's really going to happen here like the, with what the NFL wants to do. So there were adjustments, and there wasn't a lot, right? You could clearly tell in the offseason market um, that oddsmakers were with the thought of around eight games Deshaun Watson was going to be gone. You know, for example, the Westgate Superbook, they pulled off, you know, if for those who don't know, the Superbook put up point spreads for every single game for every single team. So they had pulled off Cleveland. But it was rehung over there. It was rehung up at DraftKings. All the point spreads for the first six games remained the same. So it's not like this is like a really big adjustment. Some spots go from 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl to 25 to 1. Odds to win the division go from about plus 260 to plus 230, plus 220, depending on where you shop. So there wasn't really massive adjustments because we kind of got the inkling months ago that this was going to be one where Watson was going to come back at some point. So you could see that there wasn't much of an adjustment from the betting market. Uh, but I would say like, a, you know, two things. One, don't just start firing away on Cleveland stuff because we don't know how this process is going to um, play out, especially if they if they appeal it. And I'll ask you guys because what I thought was really interesting is Ian Rappaport goes on Pat McAfee's show and says that if the NFL appeals it and if the suspension becomes longer, like close to the entire season, 12, whatever, that Deshaun Watson would then go to court or his people would go to court to challenge the ruling Would that not then – make this thing so that it's kind of like a stay before that it can actually get enacted. Thus, could Deshaun Watson actually be available to start the season?
3: That would be interesting. And (laughs) I think that he's absolutely going to sue in federal court if uh, the NFL... Again, as we said, the NFL could appeal and then hear the appeal themselves and have Goodell decide on the suspension. That is egregious. And as I pointed out, I think even if you hate Deshaun Watson and think he should be banned for life, you should be angry that that would be the process. It's a ridiculous process. Uh, but, yeah, that is something to keep in mind as well. It could end up being a year. Could end up being pushed back a year, uh, depending on what happens with that case. God, we wondered earlier what the adjustment in a line would be between Watson and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, We got some information from a sportsbook director. There'll be six to six and a half points. Does that sound right to you?
2: I I was going to say full touchdown, like seven. So that, yeah, that six to six and a half sounds about right. I mean, think about this game that they're playing against Carolina to start the year. Uh, I would assume that that line is more like six and a half, maybe even the full seven on the road against Carolina, even with Baker Mayfield, as opposed to, uh, right, the one that is sitting out there right now. So I would say, yeah, that's pretty fair. But I also say, too, Adam, and this is what I think is pretty fascinating about from just a purely football embetting perspective with Cleveland, is if you run with the assumption that it's six games and you analyze their first six games, it is one of the – I think Warren Sharp put out it's like the easiest first six games in the National Football League of all the schedules, if you assess it by, like, win total standpoint or something like that. And if you dive in a little bit deeper – five of their six opponents uh, their first six opponents ranked 15th or worse in rush defense dvoa and four of them ranked 26th or worse so like this is a slate that is like tailor-made for cleveland with or without deshaun watson so if you go forward with the thinking and if it stays at six games and i kind of alluded to this when i sent you guys notes if that's going to be the case Cleveland is still really alive to win that division because they miss every they don't miss a single divisional game. They start off right away with two games when Deshaun Watson comes back. The schedule is extremely easy. This team could still be four and two by the time Watson comes back if it is indeed six games.
3: Yeah, I love uh, starting off against arch-rival Baltimore, <laughs> so that'd be great. Right. When, I uh, we it's Monday night back too, right? That the Browns and Ravens fans already hit each other, and then this will add fuel to the fire. Uh, what did you see in the Hall of Fame game betting market today? I know we talked about it a little bit off air, and we just got the tidbit from our friend Dave Koken that in their first stint as coaches, Doug Peterson 4-0 in his first year with the Eagles in the preseason, Josh okay. McDaniels with the Broncos 0-4 in his first year.
2: I like trends like that because what year was was Josh McDaniels in <laughs> two thousand eight? Two thousand eight. Okay, so that matters. Um, no, I think so. We saw this market move right. It, like as of, I think even yesterday, the Raiders were still one and a half point favorites. Some spots like the South Point opened them up two point favorites. Um, but in the last twenty four hours or so. We have seen the market shift, and now multiple books, the Jaguars are one-point favorites. I know that you you and I, you referenced how we were texting off the air, obviously, and how it sounds like the Raiders aren't really going to play anybody. I mean, it's the Hall of Fame game. I didn't expect anybody to play for either team, so I think it's a little weird that the market's moving on something like that, especially, I I would, I would say this much. It's really not that much. You're talking about just going from, like, one to one, especially in a preseason game. Um, But, I, you know, I will say this. I bet Jacksonville, and one of the big things for me in preseason handicapping is evaluating quarterback depth charts. And the Jags actually have a sneaky good quarterback depth chart. If Bethard's healthy and he plays, and this is just for me going forward in the preseason, C.J. Bethard was the highest rated quarterback by PFF standards in the preseason last year. He was actually really good. Uh, and you have Jake Luton out of what he played for Oregon State. He's actually had some regular season action as well. Uh, Kyle Slaughter has a really, really solid preseason start under his belt, too, in years past. I kind of like Jacksonville as a whole going into the preseason, but I, I bet them here to win this game against the Raiders as well.
0: John von Tobel, V-SIN is with us. John, I got 30 seconds left. You uh, made another NFL win total bet. The Bears, I'm guessing over.
2: Uh, un- yeah, under, and Ooh. so this is why I approached it, Steve. You- so you can get six and a half, like the predominant number out there. I went under six plus 105, which is over at Circa. I think this team is going to be in the running for fewest wins in the NFL season. I talked to Ben Brown over at PFF today. He actually said their numbers show a 3% edge to play them at, you know, worst record in the National Football League. They did nothing to help uh, Justin Fields or offensive lines bad. They already have some discord in terms of uh, their players with the new coaching staff. I went under six plus 105. John? Thank you. We'll see you later in the week. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. There he is.
0: John Von v Vsin Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock. And then he's got his uh, Sunday afternoon show that goes down at 3 in the afternoon. We had a lot of giveaways today. Let's take care of one now. 364-1100, 364-1100. Chico Bean, comedian. Mirage, Saturday night, this weekend. 10 o'clock show, 16 plus. Ticketmaster.com. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab your tickets. Kiko Bean, Comedian, Mirage Theater, August 6th. Two tickets from RE364-1100. Call seven. More of Cofield and Company is on the way.